The Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI, was founded in 1908, but its footprint here in Milwaukee hasn't always been consistent in its history. The local FBI moved from their downtown headquarters to a lakeside structure in St. Francis in 2016. They have a wide range of cases that they oversee, from terrorism, counterintelligence, public corruption and civil rights violations, to healthcare fraud, and much more. To learn more about what actually goes on at the local headquarters and to get some historical insight, freelance reporter Stephen Potter spoke with several local agents and even went through the FBI Citizens Academy. It was all for his article called The Bureau, which is in this month's issue of Milwaukee Magazine. He joins me now to share more. Stephen, welcome to Lake Effect. Good to be here. So there's a lot to go into when it comes to the FBI here in Milwaukee, but let's start with their physical presence at least. Their local office is on Lake Drive in St. Francis, and I've run and biked past there many times on the Oak Leaf Trail. So when did the FBI officially take this building over? They outgrew their downtown office in about 2016 uh, to move into this kind of huge structure right on the lake there. And, you know, it used to be a Stark Investments, so it used to be a big you know, office firm, and it's just a huge space with about 80,000 square feet. How many people approximately work there? They wouldn't say exactly. Um, there's a lot of things they wouldn't say exactly, but about 200 FBI agents, analysts, and other office workers are in and out of that space, as well as other law enforcement who partner with the local FBI come in and out of that space as well. I know, you know, it's probably difficult to get some information for this story, but um, what other fun facts about the building did you find out? Because it's hard to miss when you go past it, but it's also unassuming at the same time. Yeah, it's a huge gray structure. And the f one of the first things you'll notice are these just huge fences, very dark metal fences and uh, a security checkpoint. So you'll, you get this vibe of it. it's not very welcoming, right? Like, don't turn in there and ask for directions. Just keep on moving. So the other things that they had to do to outfit this location, which, as I mentioned, was an office building, um, into an FBI headquarters was they had to secure it. And one of the things that they did is they improved the windows from a possible attack. So they put in three-inch thick glass all the way around facing the street and also on the lakeside in case anybody in boats wanted to cause them harm. And another thing that they did is they structurally improved the building with huge steel beams, um, kind of a skeleton, all from the roof all the way down to the basement in case of a bomb attack. So those are just some of the things they also built in, um, places for detaining arrestees and things like that, interrogation areas. The FBI, of course, has a wide range of things that they oversee, but can you explain to our listeners what generally falls under their purview? Sure, it's a number of different things. Um, there's a lot of overlap in, in the areas, but it, largely it's terrorism, counterintelligence, cybercrime is a big one here public corruption and civil rights violations, as well as organized crime. And that can be everything from, you know, old school mafia stuff to more current times, you know, healthcare fraud and that kind of a thing. Um, also white collar crime and certainly violent crime. And what's the threshold for cases that the FBI will take on? Because I imagine it needs to be worth their time, so to speak, in order to take it from a local jurisdiction. Sure. It has to be a large case where there needs to be a lot of resources and a lot of person power to investigate. There may be large groups doing the crimes. The crimes uh, likely cross state lines, so it gets that national effect. And it has to break some kind of a federal law. And you mentioned when the FBI takes over a case, 
Um, one interesting part that I learned is that the FBI has to be invited in in a lot of cases by the local law enforcement. They have to reach out to the FBI and say, hey, we would like your help on this. They can't just like we see on TV come in and take over the scene. That's just not how it works. That's interesting. I wouldn't have assumed that was the pecking order, so to speak. Um, what area of crime is the Milwaukee FBI prioritizing? You mentioned cybercrime is obviously a growing area, but did anything else stand out to you when you were speaking with your sources? Yeah, they're really uh, pushing now to make themselves available for uh, instances of public corruption. And that's when people of, in power, either elected officials or appointed officials, someone who is you know, working on the tax dime commits crimes, either bribery or extortion, those kind of situations. Um, they definitely want to hear from people when those instances happen. And it's something that they are uh, actively looking for because it just it really shakes the public's trust those kind of cases, um, you know, when you, we work so hard to elect these individuals and then to have them turn around and commit crimes using taxpayer money to pad their own pocket, um, that's a problem that the FBI takes very seriously. You spoke with several local agents for this piece to learn about what actually happens at this office. And uh, typically it's not the guns out, super dramatic takedowns that we see portrayed in media, right? Right. It's not. It's it's a lot of paperwork. They have to get all of their ducks in a row first, and then they usually work with local law enforcement. There are a number of liaisons, whether it's the Milwaukee County, Waukesha County Sheriff's Office, the City of Milwaukee Police. Um, there's a lot of partnerships going on to build the case until they finally move on it. That can entail working also with city U.S. attorneys to build their cases, and they can do regular, you know, on-the-street police work or behind the scenes, uh, undercover investigations. It really runs the gamut there of, of what they're capable of and what they'll do to start and finish a case. Obviously, they oversee things happening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin, but there are times when the FBI is working on something that crosses state borders, maybe nationwide. And one thing I want to bring up that you mentioned in your article was something called Operation Cross Country. Can you explain what that was? Yeah, Operation Cross Country is a annual crackdown. It's a sting operation where different FBI offices uh, around the country make a concerted effort on one day, one night of the year to swarm out and apprehend human traffickers who are engaging in crimes uh, that involve kidnapping and coercing and threatening people, young men and women, sometimes minors, into prostitution and other illegal acts. And so they swarm an area, they, they make arrangements with these, uh, you know, pimps to meet at a hotel or at a bus station or in a parking lot to have uh, an exchange of sex for money usually, and they swarm this person, they arrest them, and they arrest the trafficker rather. Um, how they treat what they call as victims is quite different and new, and it's not what we see on TV. Yeah, there's an emphasis of helping them, giving resources, rehabilitation, so to speak, not treating them like criminals, right? A new shift. Right, right. They, they do look at these uh, people who are engaging in the actual acts of prostitution as victims because most cases these people do not want to be doing this work. They're threatened, they're kidnapped, they're trafficked. And so the FBI comes in, they arrest the traffickers, the perpetrators um, of it, but then they try to give the victims uh, services either for mental health help or for substance abuse, whatever it takes to get them to a position where they don't find themselves in that situation again. 
Another area of crime that you highlight in your article that's recently been on the rise, it's not the same scale, but it has similar names to what we just talked about. It's called virtual kidnapping, but there's no physical kidnapping happening. What exactly is this? This is a really unique, uh, very 21st century crime. It's, it's an extortion by deception scheme. So what happens is the kidnapping perpetrators will identify someone who is separated from their family, maybe on vacation or working out of the country, and they'll learn that this person is separated from their family, and then they'll work to cut the connection between that person and their phone or a computer. So they'll tell them that they have to go meet with uh, law enforcement or something, um, and, and they'll separate this person from their cell phone. Then these fake kidnappers will contact this person's family. And once they do that, they tell the family that this person has been kidnapped, even though they haven't. And then, you know, if you reach out to somebody's grandma and you tell them that they're kidnapped, the grandma's going to try to call them. They can't reach that person then. So then they extort money from the grandmother who thinks that her grandson has been kidnapped, when in fact that's not been the case at all. And then once the person comes back and gets their cell phone, they get all these calls from grandma and they say, grandma, no, no, I'm fine. And grandma says, well, I already gave him $10,000. And by that time, it's, it's too late and the crime's sunset. Yeah, a lot of virtual crimes on the rise. With, yeah. with more technology comes more opportunities, right? Indeed. Now, Milwaukee's FBI footprint hasn't always been super consistent here since the agency was founded in 1908. Can you share kind of when it started here, any significant gaps in uh, people being operated and stationed out of Milwaukee? What's some of the local history? So nobody knows for sure exactly when the Milwaukee office and the Wisconsin office kind of opened up, but it was certainly up and running by at least November of 1917. Um, and then during the 1920s, a uh, handful of FBI agents uh, in, in this area spent most of their time investigating not-too-interesting cases such as bankruptcy, car theft, labor violations, and, and trying to root out members of the Communist Party. There was one instance where it drew a lot of then-national attention um, where an FBI agent was killed, and that was a case involving Al Capone's gang, specifically John Dillinger, and specifically Babyface Nelson had a shootout with a young FBI agent back then named Carter Baum, and he ended up killing Agent Baum, and uh, that was a very huge deal here, and um, it's still something that the local FBI holds very dear to their heart about how important their work is. You spoke with the FBI's national historian for this piece, and I personally would have kept him on the phone all day asking questions. So was there anything you wanted to know in particular, whether it was for this piece or something you were curious about? And you're like, hey, I have a source to talk to. Yeah, it was just about how, how the agency has, you know, changed and, and how they're viewed versus what actually goes on behind the scenes. So he mentioned that, you know, the focus changes as crime changes. Um, whether that's, you know, nowadays we've got cybercrime and all of these virtual crimes and other things. But, you know, back then, you know, it was a lot of more mundane things like um, bankruptcy, investigating those instances and things like that. But then there was also, you know, the mafia takedowns and such that we've had here in Milwaukee as well. Um, but it's just how much crime has changed over time and how the FBI and the agency has reacted to that. I'm wondering, what was your initial reaction to getting this article and trying to formulate kind of what you were going to write around it, given that 
they're not going to share everything with you, but we're also trying to show people, hey, this is actually what happens in this building that some people might pass every day. Yeah, I had a very unique situation. I reached out to them and I said, hey, we want to look at maybe possibly an article um, on what you all do. And they invited me into something called the Citizens Academy, which is uh, where they bring in people from, you know, citizens uh, to the FBI headquarters for about seven weeks, and they show us kind of the view behind the curtain. We have different classes on what is white-collar crime, what does violent crime look like, what is cybercrime, and how do they tackle those things, and what's their end goal. And with a lot of law enforcement, their work is reactive. And the FBI is the same there, but they're also proactive. They want to not only take down the imminent threat, but they want to cut the roots of it too and try to stop others from just picking up where that other criminal left off. So they they are proactive in that as well. I'm impressed a Citizens Academy for research on the article. Yeah, it was it was a lot. Um, we did a lot of different simulations and they took us through a lot of the different training, um, such as crisis negotiation and other kind of uh, active shooter situations. Um, and the amount of training that they all go through to get in and then also keep up on training and all the specialties that they go into is quite a bit. Well, if people want to learn more, they can look at your article in this month's Milwaukee Magazine. But for today, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me to share more. Great to be here. Thank you. Stephen Potter is a freelance reporter with Milwaukee Magazine, and you can read his full article on the Milwaukee FBI called The Bureau in this month's issue of Milwaukee Magazine.